Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 485th episode of Constructed Chrism. I am your host, Mason Drew, my co-host, Abe Stein. Abe, how you doing? I'm doing good. I had a great Thanksgiving. How'd you, how you? How was yours, Mason? It was good. I went and saw my grandparents, hung out with uh, them and the you know relatives adjacent to that stuff, and that was really fun. And then you know came home, got to commentate some NRG on the weekend, which was really fun. And now we get to talk magic with you. So pretty good weekend, all things considered. Yeah, I'm sad that uh, the coverage on Saturday fell through. I was really excited to do that with you, but uh, you know. That it is what it is, it a wise is. man once said to me. It's true. And, you know, we're still going to get those matches uh, up on YouTube with commentary. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out when the time to do that is. They're all recorded. We want to have those up on YouTube at NRG. So that's really exciting. The end of the race is really exciting. And Pioneer is very hype right now. So I'm very excited to hop into that. But before we do, we need to do Always Improving and a quick shout to Spencer, who's going to have a really cool experience with his son right now at a basketball game, which is really hype. They won free tickets. I don't know if you uh, heard that from outside the Patreon Discord. I don't know if you post on social media yet, but that was exciting. Hopefully, they're having a lot of fun. We're glad that you all get to have that sort of you know awesome memory with your child. But you know what's a real memory, Abe, is Always Improving. And you're up first, buddy. How'd you always improve this week? Yeah. So, um, I mean, my... Overall, always improving is, and it might be this way for a bit, especially with the PT, like, you know, inching closer day by day, um, has just been, you know, continuing to, to broaden my range this week. It's been um, playing uh, a bit of, like, off-beaten path decks, uh, especially in the face of, like, Pioneer going through some drastic changes uh, that we'll talk about uh, in a bit here. But, like, really getting into playing... Like, I played some of the Mono Red uh, Infuriate, like, Combat Trick Fling deck. Uh, like, a really, like, low to ground slide deck to see, like, what was up with that, why that was winning. Um, played a lot of the more established stuff, too, that I hadn't had a chance to play yet, like Blue White Lotus. Uh, and also just incorporating more, um, more note-taking on, like, the matches I'm actually playing because I've been working with, um, like, starting to work with people. Make sure that information is like not only good for me to know, but also like being able to transfer it, and uh, also just uncovering the like where it is I want to like continue to gain understanding, or you know, hopefully shedding light on some things or raising questions from the group I'm working with um, to to kind of be able to play with a little more intentionality around answering those. Um, so yeah, that that's been that's been me. It's a lot of pioneer this week. Uh, how about you, Mason? It has been pioneer season, you know, getting ready for the RC and everything. Uh, obviously, this geological appraiser deck and discover in general has really popped up on the map and has been something that uh, everyone's really talking about and trying to get their hand on. And so just trying to like get a feel for how strong I think that deck actually is, how much do we need to respect it? What is the right kind of stuff to do with that? Has I spent a lot of my time and then also trying to kind of build decks and be like, okay, Listen, if this deck is really good and it's moving the metagame in this direction, is there stuff I can play? And, you know, I ended up sharing with you, and I posted a little bit on Twitter, but, like, this blue-white kind of Yorion mid-range deck um, that had, like, you know, Trisari Tidebinder and Spellqueller and Reflector Mage. And while ultimately I think that deck is not quite there against enough of the format, it did have some cool stuff going on. And it was cool to be like, okay, these kind of things do work. You can have game plans like this, but I need to find a more consistent game plan versus the rest of the field or maybe tune this and so that has been a lot of where my time has been spent is trying to figure out what exactly is good versus discover what is good versus the metagame as it moves around discover because things are changing you know the discover deck is good enough to really move the metagame in certain directions and has eliminated things like green from the format almost entirely right so if that changes what else changes about the format yeah i think it's like you you show me that deck and i think it made a lot of sense to me why that deck could be good, especially in the context of, well, the number one thing this deck had problems with, and even just the blue-white colors tend to have problems with, especially playing like a smaller mid-range plan, is that they can't compete with land elves. Um, like that, that just creates too much of an advantage early. And uh, like it could be time. And really just exploring like, you know, kind of like what I've been trying to do too, is like finding opportunities in the format to do something different um and even if it doesn't always pan out or you just learn that like right spell color and reflective major like well positioned or like maybe yorion going over the top of some people is yeah no matter what 
you end up playing, like the things you're going to uncover there, I think are going to be pretty helpful for you in the next couple of weeks heading to the RC, just so you know, like what the successful pieces of, of that game plan are, right? You kind of have an idea of where there might be opportunity, but where that actually is um, based on what that deck's doing and, and how it works might be. I mean, it's definitely just going to be something that it can really set you apart. I'm a big believer in, in that. So I hope that serves you well. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful too. And, you know, it's also a thing where, like, long term, maybe the answer isn't now, but, like, in 12 months from now, we kind of end up in another similar spot where something like this happens. And I have a little bit of information now, right? Of kind of like what was right, what was wrong, I can pick up from there. So, you know, there's never really wasted time when you explore other things like this. So much of it's just learning about what's powerful in the format, what sort of matters, how are you, like, what accesses are you playing on, and then working from there. So, with that all in mind, Let's jump into our main topic, Abe, because this week it is all about Pioneer. We're already talking about Pioneer, so let's just hop into it because I'm sure everyone's kind of biting at the bit here as we are two weeks away from the time y'all are hearing this episode from the RC in Atlanta for the United States. We've had a lot of the other RCs. We've had a lot of data and a lot has changed about Pioneer since we last checked in. And Abe, do you want to give people kind of the breakdown really quick on what is this Discover slash Quintorious combo decks? that have popped up in case there may be someone who hasn't been super plugged into social media due to the holidays. Yeah. So, uh, the biggest thing that's happened to pioneer in like, I guess since lost guys of Ixalan is that the discover mechanic has kind of enabled, um, the same deck building principles you might see in modern and decks like living end or rhinos to take place. But rather than, you know, just resolving the singular spell and and things being like, you know, well, I play a bunch of two mana things or fake two mana things or fake mana, one mana things with like split cards and whatever. It does the same thing, but the cost is instead uh, usually like five or four, depending because of the dinosaur, the seven six that is discover five. Um, Quintorius, which is a five mana planeswalker that discovers four and um the uh, Geomancer, which is a uh, 3-2 that discovers 3. And so there's a couple of different builds of this deck, but the basic idea is that you cast one of these things that discovers. Your deck has, um, you know, various clones, like either if it was Quintorious or um, uh, the Quintorious decks, they play like Spark Doubles and Clever Impersonators to make more copies of Quintorious and then drain you out um, by by casting them and, and triggering Quintorious' static ability. Um the Geomancer builds, they have Eldritch Evolutions and Glasspool Mimics to then go get the the dinosaurs and then end with a bunch of creatures in play, and they go get uh, Doomscar Titan, which is a 6-mana 4-4 that gives them all plus one so in haste, so then that comes into play, and, uh, you know, like, you're just attacking for lethal, and, and they can do that as soon as uh, turn 3, thanks to using, uh, like, Magma Opus and... Uh, creative outburst to be able to like discard then make a treasure and then just cast this four mana uh, creature that lets them really just dump their deck into play it's kind of uh like it's the first time i would say i've seen maybe i guess since like oops all spells in pioneer things be this uh this uninteractive in a lot of ways where like i mean that you can interact uh like if you just have a single removal spell for um for the appraiser or for Quintorius, like a way to remove it from play. You're going to stop them from chaining off the clones or the evolutions to, to go off. So like a single piece of interaction can go pretty far, but the deck is really uh, resilient and also very difficult to play around because it costs so little compared to the rest of what's going on in the format that, uh, you know, it, it, it can be really dangerous. So it's basically pushed out, um, some of the old mainstays that were better at winning these games that were happening on the board and not really interacting um, in the way that this deck, these decks are asking for. So like Mono Green, for example, um, there's not much Mono Green can do about a deck that's going to consistently combo off in turn three or four and just kill them because they don't really consistently combo off on turn three or four themselves. Um, and so... You know, just things like this have really changed a lot of the, you know, not just the dynamic in, uh, like, just this deck being good, but also what decks can't really exist in that ecosystem, and therefore some of the top, uh, like, you know, best decks that we'd seen um, for the last few months have kind of been taken out of the equation. That's opened up room for new decks to take uh, the top slot and 
uh, and also like these decks themselves kind of vying for for the top spot. So a lot has happened since Lost Caverns of Ixalan. Uh, quite quite a bit. Yeah, this is the first time I think we've had a Pioneer episode. God, at least since you've joined the show, Abe, where it's not going to end with... Uh, we're having a segment where you and I talk about, like, yeah, let's just play green. Or Spencer's like, yeah, why are we not playing the Elf Dark, right? Like, I feel like that's been a thing about our podcast has always been, no matter what, the green deck has been pretty reasonable. You know, that has kind of been a through line. And this is the one time where it's like, yeah, I think it's not the worst choice ever. If you played green and you didn't run into these geological or Quintorius decks, the Discover decks as we'll call them, uh, I think you would do fine, you know, but you're just going to die to these Discover decks. And there's not much you can really do to change your deck in order to fix that. You know, your Karn can solve some of the problems, but it takes too long to get Karn down and get something like a Damping Sphere, like a Stone Brain, out on your opponent. So it's a real problem. Yeah, there's not many uh, green counter spells or green, uh, you know, shocks like the efficient removal spells you can use to try to break up that combo and uh it it shows like I, I think that the the combo-y nature of things has really changed the, the the texture of what matters in pioneer i think we'll really get into that when we get into some of these decks for sure well i think we should start by talking about discover the geological appraiser deck which is like the blood braid adjacent that's the four mana creature and then the quintorius that's the elephant planeswalker and sort of where we land on each of them because i think they are unique decks and i think clumping them together would be a disservice uh especially because i think you know we talked a little bit before the show about this i think we both kind of agree that we think one is a little bit better than the other and they definitely have different strengths too so i'll sort of start things off here i have the incredibly hot take abe that I think discover specifically the Geomancer deck. I think Geomancer is better than Elephant, so the Bloodbraid Elf variant. Um, and I think that it is a good deck at worst. You know what I mean? Like, there's always hype whenever something like this comes out. The hype goes through the roof. It becomes really hard to gauge what's going on. I think the floor for the Geoform deck is it is one of the better decks, if not the best deck in Pioneer. And it is something you have to respect going forward and has done things that we talked about, like pushed Monogreen out of the format. Um, I think it is a one-card combo, and once you resolve one of your Discover things, you maybe sometimes don't actually win the game on the spot that turn, but often, you know, if you got very unlucky and drew your Doomscar Titan, you're still, and you had your, uh, excuse me, Galta in hand as well, because there is some amount of built-in protection from this. If you had both those in your hands from bad draw steps and you kept a turn three, you're still putting like 38 power on the board, which is so hard for every deck in Pioneer to beat. Even the control decks, you know, if you're on the draw, your verdict isn't going to come in time for this. So I think that Geoformer deck is very, very good. I think it's changed what the bar is for Pioneer, and the interaction uh, that you need to play is very different. Like, I've got this Rakdos deck pulled up on my other screen here that I'm going to play that's, you know, a little weird, and I have these Torch the Towers as a 4-of and Fatal Push as a 2-of, and maybe that's going to go to a 3-and-3, three three, but I need to have things that can actually stop the combo early, because you can just die very easily with a Fatal Push in hand because you can't turn a Revolt. So, um... I think the long story short is is this deck is very, very good. I think Discover Elephant is also good, but it's much slower and its fail rate is much higher. And so it has me much lower on it. I still think it's like a reasonable deck or whatever, but I'm not like, okay, this might be one of the best decks, if not the best deck in the format. I think it's just a solid deck that does better against permanent based hate due to cards like Leyline Binding. Yeah, I think that it's important to kind of get into the distinction between these decks. It's not only... Um, you know, not only what they're using to discover and then combo into their into their finish, it's also like what the pieces around it are. So the Quintorius build, the, the elephant build, has um, like it plays uh, the Black Virtue, the, the like minus three minus three gain two life. It plays Leyline Binding. Um, so it has a little few few more answers. Uh, sometimes they play like the crab from neon dynasty you can channel to like as a counter spell plays greater tanuki and beanstalk giant to like ramp and get a turn ahead um i think it's better at kind of playing a game that breaks down um where where maybe they can't reliably resolve a quintorius or um, they don't draw it they can kind of just be ramping to cast big things uh whereas the geomancer deck kind of its plan b that really i think developed over the last like week and a half um, since the those two decks met in the finals of the Pioneer Showcase um, the, the week of release is that it has like, you know, plan A is I'm going to resolve one of these 
discover spells and 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 just win. I'm a straight up combo deck. Plan B is that it has like some torrential gear hulks to go with the kind of magma opus stuff going on. Um, in addition to yeah, like being able to just Eldritch Revolution in the middle of the chain for uh, for Gearhulk to to do something else, um, and that's been really kind of like the the most alarming thing to me about that deck that really makes me uh, interested in uh, seeing kind of where where things go with it is that from where we were at the showcase, like after the showcase challenge, where okay, now it's a known quantity, the regional championships are coming up for multiple regions. How are people going to react? Is that the Contorious decks couldn't really adapt or be more flexible, and the um, Appraiser decks they found ways to make their deck even better in the games that are like getting away from them by kind of adding more layers and and dimensions to their game plan. And I think there's still a lot of room for exploration there uh, too. So it's really. Uh, it's like really cool to see it kind of happening in real time. But even just looking at the win rates from like, uh, you know, Japan, the, the fan RC comes to mind is that was the one where the results came in first just because of time zones. Um, but Quintorius was, I think, the most played deck in that tournament, and it boasted a 39% win rate. Uh, the Geological Appraiser combo decks, they, I think, ended with like a, somewhere in the mid 50s, mid 50% win rate, like one of the better decks to have played for the tournament. And both were equally known quantities. Now, whether or not um, you know people respected in the same way, or they kind of prepared more for the Quintorious deck, I think is a little bit irrelevant because they have the same interaction points. Just about, I think Quintorious is a little bit more fragile because, like, you can spell Pierce Quintorious and you can't spell Pierce an uh, Appraiser. But overall, like a lot of people's plans were to have a Torch the Tower or a Shock or a Wild Slash or be able to stomp. You know, whatever the discovering permanent was, if it was something that wasn't the the dinosaur, and just seeing how, like, knowing that's one of the rules of engagement for the tournament, only shut one of these decks down, kind of says a lot to me about how good that other deck is and how much pressure it puts on to say, okay, you need to keep a hand that has a way to interact with me comboing. It has to be like a removal spell, maybe. Counterspell from Eldritch Revolution, um, something like that on as early as turn three, or else, you know, I'm just going to win the game. I'm just going to chump check you and and you might lose. Or those decks now being able to say, okay, I'll just hold on until you have to leave up this, this mana all the time. And it's kind of like a one-card Splinter Twin situation, which is, uh, you know, it deems <laughs> too good for modern on the quantity that having to always have removal up or always having to always have a piece of interaction up is cumbersome and uh, like hard on the format to, to yeah. go up with. So I think that just the efficiency in a format, especially like Pioneer, where things cost so much to interact, like we're talking about you have to play more Torch Towers than Fatal Pushes now um, to try to keep up with that. But that's like one of the only really efficient answers um, is, is to play like a one-mana piece of removal. It's not like Modern where there's a, there, there's a ton of ways to interact at, at instant speed. Um, for every color with whatever's going on that's unfair this is really you have to be able to fight over exactly this one card or this one spell and um, if you don't then you will just lose the game and i think that's really really tough um for for decks to compete with i like it's really impressive how far these decks have come in just a couple of weeks and how much room for improvement i think there still is i think it was um i was reading a thread today on twitter by uh one of the players who played it in japan um it was uh kenta harane and he talked about just like a lot of the card choice breakdowns and why to play this deck instead of um like the contorist version or or vice versa and he really goes in depth about the fact that he says yeah, maybe it's like not gonna be the best deck for a while like it's not gonna be like something that's dominating the format but there's still so much room that he's identifying for how it can improve that i think especially with the rc coming up there's no reason why and and with pt coming up too there's no reason why i can't see it getting even better from here and i think that's a little little scary because what you're saying is true i I don't think it can be it's kind of like seeing a new boros convoke uh with higher potential 
uh, unveil in front of our eyes. And then, and that's what we'll get to like Boros Convoke is one of the best, like what one of the most solid decks in Pioneer right now. So mm-hmm. it, it's really cool. Yeah, it's a really cool and wild time. And it, there's just a lot of pressure on players, you know, to like figure this out. And, you know, I, I think the deck is very good. You know, I would not be surprised if I end up like just not being happy with anything else in Pioneer and be like, listen, prove it to me. You know what I mean? I'm going to come in here with a deck I think is maybe sh- should be banned or whatever. You know, like there's so much pressure here. Let's see what happens. And like you mentioned, this all happened in one week. How much innovation is going to come in the two weeks before deck registration, right? So a lot of interesting stuff going on. We do need to move on from that deck, though, because I think we could end up having a whole episode just about it, to be honest. But um, so this has had some knock-on effects. We talked about how Mono Green has died. And then Boris Convoke is a deck that we're going to bring about in a second. But really, the other big winner and something that players rushed to was Blue-White Control, and specifically the Lotus Field Control deck. Um, and I'm going to sort of quickly talk about the Lotus Field Control deck here, because I think one thing that players uh, do, and I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on the same, because I don't think you and I had this conversation before, is there is a deck that comes out and they want to beat that deck, right? And so the question becomes like, okay, how do we beat the Quintorius or the Geological you know, Discover deck? What do I do? And they pick a deck that can beat it or it has some strength against it, right? So in the case of this control deck, your counter spells stop it. Uh, Discover is different than Cascade because this creature's actually actually entered into the battlefield. So that means your counter spells are strong, which also means your strict proctors that make your Lotus Fields work also stop this. And then you have your discontinuities, your farewells are strong. So there's like a lot of good things about the deck. But there's this problem that I personally have with it. And I have with blue-white control a little bit as well, which is but your deck isn't still good enough before, right? You can't beat the rest of what's going on. And even if this is the best deck and the thing to be doing, the rest of the format still exists. And, you know, maybe the Discover decks make up 40% of the metagame, but there's still 60% left, and you have to be able to beat those decks. And so players have flocked to Blue-White, flocked to Lotus Field Control, and, you know, there are some impressive elements in that sort of head-to-head, but I personally believe it's like, doesn't work versus the rest of the field and that's really uh you know not a great place to be in my opinion it just kind of puts you in a very bad position where you know blue white proper at least does have things i think better game versus the rest of the field while being a little worse versus discover but the problem is the blue white deck doesn't like actually win the game and so often just falls apart because it's so cumbersome and so clunky so i'm kind of a blue white hater i'm kind of curious what your thoughts on all this are abe yeah so have been really impressed by the Blue White Lotus list when I've played them. Um, it's one of the decks I've been working with a bit because I thought they had a lot of promise of kind of solving a problem of Blue White being just you know perennially too fair to exist, especially in a format like Pioneer. But uh, you know, adding the ability to like have a fast Lotus Field to like push you ahead or start having you know making your Teferi Hero of Dominaria is actually oppressive to to land because they're not things that you can actually get off the board. Uh like being able to untap with like four to six mana uh every time you plus your Teferi is basically like having a wilderness reclamation in your control deck again and wilderness reclamation for those who don't recall is banned in the format. Um for different reasons, but it's it's a lot to be able to untap with that much mana. And um, specifically, like, looking over the, the Japanese RT lists, I was really, really impressed with the list that made top eight for the blue-white um, Lotus decks because I think that it's catching wins in a lot of directions. Like, uh, it has good game against a lot of the things that are, um, you know, bubbling up to handle, uh, like, a, a new world of Pioneer. Um, but it also just gets to play like Tails End is actually quite good in a lot of spots if you know what you're doing with it. So, like, obviously you can use it to counter a Discover Trigger um, in addition to countering Quintorius um, or using it to set up your own Lotus Fields. Uh, but you can also, like, I used it against Boros Convoke to counter their um, Recruiter Trigger that's going to give all their things haste. And then, like, untap and just cast a lockdown or cast a, you know, farewell or sunfall and, like, use that to stabilize. So there's a lot of applications for some of these cards that otherwise um, 
you know, you'd think maybe are, are kind of specific and tied to what's going on um, with kind of like finicky with their own deck, but like being able to play a deck that's just a lot of temporary lockdowns, you know, cantrips to find them, like hands that can go impulse into the temporary lockdown, they're really against Boros Convoke, which is one of the strongest decks in the in, in the current world of Pioneer right now, um, in my opinion. And overall, like the blue-white control decks are really well equipped to handle a world in which people are not getting ahead of them on mana. Uh, in in a real consistent way. Like, one of the things that made Blue White so hard for me to think about justifying playing was, A, that the Rakdos matchup wasn't, like, all that guaranteed. The Rakdos deck is really good. Uh, it was everywhere, and was really good at kind of muscling through the things that Blue White was doing and making, like, making it show how clunky the Blue White deck um, is. But with less of that, and less of mono green, where like the Lana Elves decks could really just make it embarrassing to be playing a bunch of tap lands and like absorbs, because by the time you're able to do anything to wreck the opponent, you might just be so far behind that you're, you know, you're, you're effectively the game's already over. Um, there's less of that, and I think that specifically the Lotus Field stuff is pretty strong at uh, like breaking the dynamic and giving you draws that kind of pass the like you know, the random garbage of the format test where, like, you're not losing to random things you should be beating if you think your deck's good uh, because you're able to outmuscle them and, like, really do something unfair. So, I don't know how much you've played with the Blue White Lotus deck, but I would say maybe give it another another look because, like, at least for me, it's felt pretty impressive um, in the confines of being a control deck. Like, as much as Blue White Control can only ever be so good, mm -hmm. um, if you think of this as, like, a to protect Teferi ramp deck that has enough ways to do that and keep the game from being over. Um, and even doing things like sometimes you're just Nexus Fate. Sometimes you have two Lotus Fields, a Teferi, and like some discontinuities that have accrued in your hand. And you're just like, plus Teferi, end your turn, untap, like develop my board, plus my Teferi again, end your turn again. And just like, well, now it doesn't matter what you did. Like, I, the game's just over. So, um, yeah, I've been actually pretty impressed by that deck. Uh, the regular Blade lists, not so much, but Lotus specifically, I think, has a lot of capability to um, to do enough that's unfair. I have a little bit of Parmesan in my blue-white deck that it's uh, it's it's up there on my list of things to, to consider for the RC. Sure. I, I think one thing that I do like about the blue-white deck that I did not highlight well that you did, which is that it does have the ability to actually win and take over. Right? I kind of mentioned blue-white proper just kind of sits there and does nothing, and blue-white Lotus Field, like does have the ability to overwhelm its opponents and actually end the game, right? And I think that is really good. I, I do think that, to me, the pieces, when they come together, work incredibly well. And sometimes they just... It's just so awkward, your games. And, like, your mana's really bad. And I don't know. I I have played a little bit. It has never super impressed me. Um, I don't know. I, I just... Maybe I'm just a hater, though. Maybe that's just it. Like, For what it's worth... I think that the strict Proctor builds like have gotten worse. And that's what I think a lot of the decks were initially. I think now tails end is just much being better. a serviceable spell in the format um, in a lot of spots mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier. Like the fact that's a card that can just cover you getting like discover comboed as a two mana counter spell for that. And also be your, you know, your plus like your your i'll establish my lotus field spell um i think that does go pretty far in making the deck gain that little bit of edge um that's the fact that yeah I, I think there's a lot of like small things in in the way it's built that if you're playing the right uh the right configuration and i think right now it could be the like one of the best times to play a deck full of tails ends um mm -hmm. then you, you you get rewarded but i i definitely believe what you're saying also, do you play that Citadel card, like the weird tap land cave? So I haven't. That's something that's on my list of things to try in the archetype of seeing how many of things like that are like good or, you know, best being stages and stuff. Like how good is it to have this land that makes my other lands activated abilities uh, a bit cheaper? Um, 
I have seen not a lot of consensus on mm-hmm. what the number should be. Like the list that I was talking about from the Japanese RC played zero. I've seen uh, like uh, Jujube and Onmoto play four. Um, and I think there's not quite a consensus in whatever hive mind exists mm-hmm. for, for that archetype. But uh, like one of the things on my list things to do is kind of play around with a number of those and see how they feel because there is just a weird thing that happens when you play Thespian stage where you want to be able to copy your Lotus Field and do something on like turn four. But it's hard to have that many lands and do that. Yeah. And and, and also sometimes you want to have like double white for for temporary lockdown. But you can't really play that many white sources when you need a blue source on two to be able to like discontinuity or um, or tails end. But that kind of solves in both ways too of being uh, like a pick your own uh, land. So it, it's some it's some play around. I don't think it's like been that significant improvement. Um, yeah, it looked to me like almost like it was costing people more games with just being another tap land and just being awkward on their mana. So that's why I brought it up because it felt like if they weren't playing it like on turn one, it was really costing them, uh, like a significant amount, or like a turn where they were able to do something like, you know, lock down plus develop this. You know what I mean? So I was just curious, kind of like because I thought maybe part of the reason is, is I'm seeing a lot of people play a lot of them and you are not. You know what I mean? And if that was the case, there would be so much difference in what we were talking about that we're almost talking about different archetypes. You know what I mean? Or like different decks, I should say. So I, that's what yeah. I was just curious about. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, for sure. So yeah, I mean, a little bit of, you know, descent in the ranks here when it comes to blue-white, but that's, you know, a lot of what magic is, and it's going to be really interesting to see sort of how that plays out. I will say, like, I want to talk about Convoke here real quick, but, uh, you know, Phoenix, like, Phoenix is, I think, a really good deck. I've played it for lots of the RCs, but, like, with all the blue-white running around, I'm very anxious to, like, pick up the traditional Phoenix deck, but... Before we talk about that, I do want to talk about Convoke because we've been mentioning it a lot. And Abe, it sounds like you're very high on Convoke. So what are your thoughts on the Convoke deck? Yeah, I think the Convoke deck gets to play by the new rules of the format, which are that speed matters a lot and get to do so with a lot of consistency. And I don't know, it just... It is just a really good deck that has gotten more from uh, the last couple sets than it had even when it was like a breakout deck um, with like Warden of the Inner Sky being a really, really strong way to use a lot of the extra material you accrue when you're not drawing like Gleeful Demolitions and stuff. Um, Imidane's Recruiter being, uh, you know, a little more consistent than Bushwhacker and uh, also hitting a little bit harder on its own and having the adventure attached. Um and overall, just like seeing this deck become a lot more refined, I know it got like second place in the challenge on, um, like the early challenge on Sunday, or it was the late challenge on Saturday. Uh, but it, it just it is so consistently good. I know it also won the energy too, right? Um, it's just so consistently able to execute its game plan that uh, and able to play like a little bit of interaction whatever's going on right like you can have some answers for uh like anything but still stay on its game plan of creatures which as we say a lot on the show have a really low fail rate yep i uh i don't know if this will be a surprise or not to you Abe. if i had to play tomorrow for the rc this is my pick i i think the good invoke deck is great i think i maybe end up on the wrong side of history with the geological appraiser and maybe i get some egg on my face but i i think the convoke deck is so good you get like i think people underestimate that this deck just like very often can kill on turn four and has access to turn three kills. You know what I mean? Or like soft kills where it's like unable for you to win unless you win the game on the spot, which to be fair, there is a, you know, a deck that can turn three now, geological appraisal in the format. But I, I think you're just very resilient. You get to mulligan very well. You get to main deck cards like Thalia, which are pretty good right now. And we're even seeing some innovations. You know, Zoe won the NRG and she played True Heart Duelist, which is an adventure creature that also doubles the removal spell. So there's a lot of stuff going on with the deck. I think it is very, very good. I you know, some people have like joked, I mean joked or even said like it is not playable with the like change in the format. And I think that is just a misunderstanding of like you need to be going fast and like winning the game if you're not controlling the game. Right? Like it's kind of like 
we're either doing race cars or we're playing these long, drawn-out, like, blue-white control games. Um, you know, and I personally really like this deck. I love Warren of the Inner Sky. Such a huge upgrade of just smoothing your draw. And when the board stalls happen in matchups where that does occur, like the mirrors and like that, this is the card that pulls you way far ahead while being a one-drop with a good stat of body. I just, I think this deck is really, really strong. And I would happily play this, you know, at the RC if you made me lock in right now. Um, I, I, I think this deck's really, really good. I think it's been good for a long time and just underappreciated too. But the woe upgrades were huge shots in the arms. Yeah, I think people get, kind of get this idea about the deck where it it blew up too soon before the last Pioneer RC um, and then like was in everyone's sights, so it got really pinned down. But Warden, like, I don't think I've heard people describe it this way, but it's actually just how the card works, is that it gives a lot of your one-drops effectively haste. Mm-hmm by piling power onto Warden the turn they come in, because you get two other... Like, the first counter is effectively... Uh, like, if you play a Warden on turn one, and turn two, you play a Thraben Inspector, and that's all you have, is just a Warden and an Inspector, and you put and, and the clue token, you put a counter on there, you effectively attack the Thraben Inspector, because now your thing's a 2-3. Except that's also going to make it closer to being an evasive threat that's going to be able to go over things, on its own, you're going to get a scry out of it. Like, that's a really, really, really powerful thing to be able to do. And, you know, if you're if you're opening on a Thraven Inspector into, like, Warden, make it, like, put a counter on it, Gleeful Demolition, put another counter on it, like, that's, a, that's as good as, like, a turn two Loxodon. Mm-hmm. And these are draws that are a lot easier to keep hands that aren't all in to do that. And it really is just a really good glue what the deck's doing, and, and it gives a lot of longevity and, and wins a lot of these board stalls that might happen in some matchups where, like, you get stonewalled by having, a, like, giving you an out and giving you a way to dig through to, like, the cards you need to keep pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I like, I think between that and then, yeah, a lot of the changes in the format um, and a lot of the work that's gone into the deck in making it better and, like, finding the right numbers um, on everything since the deck you know, kind of burst onto the scene. All of that has has led to this deck being like a very strong tier one deck, and I think also the absence of mono green um, from the metagame helps that too. Because I know that in my preparing for Dallas, something I felt was really just like really damning about the the Boros deck was that if I was playing against mono green and my opponent just like played Karn and got a Silex and then could blow it up after playing like a troll or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I I couldn't win. It, it was really hard to beat a single Silex as the as the Kavok deck, but there's way less of that now. You know, people can't you can't bring the green deck, so you don't have to worry about respecting the rules the green deck pr- proposes. Of can you get through my four four? I'm playing on turn two. You know, my my mana dorks into creatures and building a board presence. Can you beat that? It doesn't have to care about that anymore. That that isn't the rules, and that has only opened the door for this deck to be even better. Yep, I agree. Deck's great. Uh, Phoenix. This deck, speaking of great decks, has gotten a huge shot on the arm from Whoa. Got Torch the Tower, which was a nice little upgrade for the deck. A little, a little thing it, it could play. Um, and, you know, dominated the Canadian RC. Uh, I think it was, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but I think it was five Phoenix players in the top eight. Edgar Magalage lost in the top eight playing Phoenix. The top four was all Phoenix, including blue black splashing red for phoenix uh arcade phoenix which i think really just shows like there's a lot of room for these like spell heavy cantrip heavy decks in the format that's underexplored and cards like bitter triumph are really helping enable that as like you know a way to get the arcade phoenix out of your hand and catch all and just be a strong powerful deck yeah i think there's like two things going here one i think the phoenix deck has been good and i even before um even before Lost Guy was Vixalon, it was one of the top contenders. It was like a question of, oh, is this deck like edging out Rakdos now? Now that it has uh, the like adventure creature that is helping kind of like be more copies piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, it, it's getting a little bit more consistent, it, it feeling Delve and also having just some better stuff. Is that really pushing it over the edge? I think another thing that happened is in a world of, um, you know, these discover combo decks where the best ways to interact with them are to have 
soft counter magic and permission or cheap damage based removal uh, that answers these you know four mana creatures or these five mana planeswalkers when they downtick. Both of those are things that Phoenix is uniquely perfectly equipped to be to be doing right if you're looking for a deck that gets to play soft counter magic that's efficient and removal that's efficient and doesn't have to be unconditional um it's the best thing in the format to do it and especially if you need to be leaving up your mana in the early turns or um you know kind of slowly developing or need to kind of close a game when you get a window to uh phoenix is also the perfect deck for that as we've seen with you know, temporal trespass and galvanic iteration, kind of creating these unfair. You know, I'll take two turns. Now I'll get back my phoenixes and attack you for, you know, twelve or eighteen, and then take my next turn and do it again. Um, being able to present that clock without slowing down the pace at which it's interaction interacting is uniquely good for the format right now, and is was naturally positioned to be answering the questions being asked on Pioneer um, too. So I think that. Like, it's hard for me to say if in a world where there's not the Discover decks that, you know, like you were saying, the blue-white decks kind of make you a little bit afraid because they're, like, the decks that are good at beating decks like Phoenix. Uh, you know, in a world where there's not so much of the Discover combo stuff, are people able to go back to respecting the things that are good against, uh, like, Phoenix, right? If people are playing a bunch of spot removal um, to try to beat these... Uh, like Brazer decks and these Elven decks, then you know, bring back an Arclight Phoenix seems really good. They'll maybe they'll take off the table, but you're never going to run out of threats, even though they're playing more removal or more one for one answers, and you have your own. Whereas, if you can go back to playing things like Go Blank or being able to afford, uh, you know, Ley Lines and Rest in Pieces or whatever it is they want to do to hate your graveyard, if that's something that they can do to shut you down as the Phoenix player, is your deck going to be okay? Uh, that's that's something that hasn't really been answered or have to be answered because that's not what the format's like right now. Um, and I think that really has led to a lot of the success of the Phoenix deck is that it gets to play... It's naturally positioned to get to play by the new rules of the format um, in having you know access to a bunch of answers for decks like Convoke, like the uh, Discover combo decks, uh, while still having its tried-and-true methods against you know Rakdos and... Uh, like control decks and grease fang and green and ghoul, what, like all the other decks out there that already has plans for it's really well explored but it's good at handling the new ones too mm. yeah i i think the deck is good and it's like definitely part of this like new litmus test right it's like all right can your deck beat you know kind of in my mind the four new pillars are kind of like discover convoke blue white and phoenix you know like these are kind of the things you have to go through. And you could argue like Phoenix and Rakdos are in a very similar space and we'll get to Rakdos soon. But yeah, like those kind of like interactive decks maybe the way to look at it and be like, all right, this is like the pressure that's on you now. What can you do? And it, it's a lot, you know, we talked about with the discover deck, it's like, well, you need to not be able to die, which means you need to have to hold up mana, which means you're like basically Thalia to the whole game, right? Like your opponent just has a Thalia emblem on you. And that is, very very taxing and that, that's assuming you have a one mana answer to it right most people don't have strong one mana answers to it so it's a definitely a weird place to be for sure um rakdos i wish ginger was here to talk about it i'll say this misplaced ginger the pioneer goat this is the first time i think he has it top it in mercy you know <laughs> playing rakdos that's true yeah if there was if there's ever a sign that rakdos is uh, struggling this might be it and specifically rakdos midrange um i think the deck is fine but not particularly great and like i mean that even more than normal where before i was kind of higher than most people on rakdos but still wasn't over the moon about it um i think you're in a really weird spot with like the the questions being asked by everyone you're not very good against convoke I don't think you're super great against Geological or Contorius. I don't think you're, like, super good against Phoenix. Uh, I think you have to play, like, a bunch of cyborg cards to fix all these matchups, and they're pulling you in a lot of directions, and the rest of the format is still out there. Blue-White Control, I do kind of like your position against, typically. But, Abe, I'm curious what your kind of thoughts are, because it's a weird world for the Rakdos one-tricks. Yeah, Rakdos is in an unfortunate spot where it's a deck that's able to pick one or two of the decks around that are 
pulling things in different directions of what they need to answer to have plans for them and to have good answers for them. Uh, but when the format range is this broad in how people are playing games that are this condensed or what ways interacting is best, uh, especially in a world where like there's a deck, I mean, multiple decks where your opponent can just kind of draw the right card and cast it. And if you don't have the answer, you lose on the spot. Like that's so antithetical to the kind of game that Rakdos excels at playing that it makes sense to me why the deck is, is, is performing worse than it was before. And also, you know, the games are less about what Rakdos is traditionally good at handling. You know, Bone Crusher Giant is, uh, like, for a while, was like, okay, this card is just oppressive to a lot of what people are trying to do. Like, I'll get a little bit of value by shutting down your creature or shutting down your development, and then I'll have a creature that attacks really well on a board of what's going on. Um, that stuff, or, like, Fable the Mirror Breaker, like, that stuff's so incremental. And even though the deck is so good at it, like, that stuff is not as strong as it was because you don't get as much time to add up the the pile of, you know, incremental value or, you know, two for one here or there, or the fact that your deck is all, you know, all valuable creatures or creatures that, like, reward you for having the game go on another turn. The games just don't go on as many turns, so the deck's just not as good and you don't have as many opportunities to draw the right thing um, and have it at the right time or eventually wear your opponent down on ways to uh, like push out uh, like you know you're like they finally can't answer the flip fable or the shoulder that's your last thing standing you don't get to that point in the game it's not about the last thing standing nearly as much anymore um, and you can't drive games in that direction with the same consistency you used to be able to so I think Rakdos is just kind of structurally in a place to be struggling. Um, and while you could pick one or two of these matchups to be better against and and have like better game plans against, it still feels like you can't cover everything. And even if you did that, your deck still might not be good enough in like the game ones for it to matter. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with what you said. I think it is a very awkward place to be, and I'm very curious to sort of see how they go about fixing it, because I don't know if they can, unless they do stuff like maybe play like Rolling Vortex, you know, and like totally change how their deck is playing. But that kind of stuff, while pretty easy to do with stuff like uh, Blood Tithe Harvester and Fable in your deck, does change your matchups a little bit. So I, you know, like, I don't know. We're going to have to see how players adapt to what's going on. Um Abe, that's kind of all the big players in Pioneer. Um, you know, when it comes to, like, sort of the established stuff, there's obviously so many decks in Pioneer. We could talk about them all day, like Lotus Field Combo, etc. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of what we said about these other decks kind of apply to decks like that. So I'm curious, what is sort of going on in your mind? Is there any deck that you feel like we forgot about uh, before we sort of talk about the format at large instead of, you know, just these decks? I think it's, like, important to check in on and just mention that, like, Lotus Field Combo is, was still out there, um, although just not being as good a combo deck as some of these appraiser decks. Um, Grease Fang really suffering in the same way of not being close to good enough uh, and also now having more, more players prepared with ways to just answer what they're doing. Like they're they're playing by all the wrong rules. That that deck has gone from at one point being one of the best decks uh, in Pioneer and and kind of like being talk of the town to being a deck I I would put on the shelf if I had the opportunity to. And Rakdos Sacrifice also kind of falling by the wayside of uh, you know decks that are just playing by the wrong rules. Like Rakdos being like Sacrifice being better when it was more about playing to the board. Um, it's so not about that, that that those decks have gone from, uh, you know, solidly good repeated choices and even having like a number of one tricks who only play that archetype to saying if you're someone who feels like that in the Pioneer format, they're like, oh, I can just play my, you know, I'm a sacrifice person or like I just play, uh, play like hidden strings every week. Um, it might be a good time to think about what broadening your horizons looks like because those decks don't look like they're going to be good uh, as long as things are the way they are. 
Yep, I agree. Um, yeah, and that kind of like transitions us to talking about the format at large. And you know, I think everything Abe said there is true. And I think you know what you mentioned earlier about the rules of engagement have changed. You know, like what we're trying to fight against as the top decks has changed. The whole format is like very different. And the way that kind of only a ban or something truly game-changing entering the format can do. And I think Discover Combo is that uh, that game-changing. So it's going to be interesting to see sort of how things go forward. I've sort of, you know, let my preferences known as we get to sort of what we would play here. Um, Convoke is really high on my list. Uh, Phoenix, I think, is a totally good deck. I'm lower on blue-white uh, control than it sounds like Abe is, but... I know I, I trust Abe a lot, and if Abe says it's good, then on no practice, I would assume it's like a reasonable choice. Um, and I think the Discover deck is really good. And kind of like the four pillars are kind of where I say, like, those are the great decks. I want other stuff to be good. Like, I've got this, you know, Rakdos Transmogrify deck over here on my screen that I want to queue up, and I want to try to find something to exploit. But right now, Pioneer is just a format that incentivizes kind of really going fast, winning the game on the spot. And also being able to play the, like, if you play a longer game, you have to be able to play the longer game against stuff like Blue White uh, and Phoenix, which is really, really hard to do. And I think, you know, it might just be a situation where we're in a couple deck metagame. And unless something changes, you know, one week from this episode coming out, there will be a BNR announcement. That'll be our last chance for one before the RC. Unless something happens then, uh, and I think it's likely, but unless something happens then, I, I think we're kind of in, like, choose one of those decks and then game, personally. Yeah, I think it's it's a really weird spot to be in where there is something that's so strong and performed so well even two weeks out from, from showing up at what is you know, reasonably the higher level of even the highest level that there is out there for competition uh, for, for most things as far as we're going to see big tournament uh, data sets that, yeah, if the appraiser combo decks are doing that well... Um, or like starting to, to monetize to be that well, then you know maybe there is a possibility of a ban. But even without it, there's still a lot of ways you can approach the problem, um, and you know, kind of finding a deck that that works for you is is possible. It might have to be something different than than what's been because the rules are so different. Personally, if I was playing the RC tomorrow. I don't know if I could pull the trigger on Lotus just yet. I did like the RC list from from Japan, but I haven't really spent enough time with the archetype as a whole to feel like I know everything I'd want to know about playing a deck like that. Coming to things, it's not quite for the unprepared or the the fast and loose uh, like tournament play. So probably go with Convoke. I think that like it, it's kind of a fail rate thing it, it can't be that bad and i think it is um it is quite good but you know if you're thinking about what it is you're looking at for the pioneer format as it is um especially if you're thinking about for the rc coming up and you you know if nothing changes what are you going to do i think it's just important to know that the rules of engagement are quite different now than they were a month ago you really need to be prepared to play a condensed game um, kind of in the sense that you have to be prepared to play a condensed game in modern, or maybe you even had to be prepared to play a condensed game in modern when player twin is legal, where sometimes the game can just end on turn three or four, um, unless you're prepared to interact with that. And so if you're picking a deck that isn't going to be interacting with that a lot, you need to be on that same timeline um, and then punish the the deck that can like right punish the combo deck for not always having their fastest draw but you consistently having a fast one um like all those things i think are really important to to take stock of when you're thinking about what deck you're playing and um you know move forward with that as far as what things look like you know we'll, we'll have to see but uh you know there's there's a lot you there's a lot you can do there's a lot of like even within the format as it is now a lot of decisions to make, right? Like, do you think that people are going to play a lot of Phoenix and therefore you want to play blue-white? Do you think people are going to, you know, maybe start getting into fighting between the fair decks and you want to play the combo deck because you think they'll stop respecting it as much? Um, there's there's a lot of opportunity to, to really figure out where you want to be, and it's it's going to be a matter of, of doing your work on what, what's going to feel best for you. Abe, I have a weird question for you. If I told you 
that you can either play Geological Appraiser or a random reasonable deck at the RC, which would you take? It's like a, a random box or the Appraiser deck. Which would you click? Uh, the Appraiser deck. I think so, too. I, I, I'm thinking about, like, how well it's done with people knowing it existed, right? Like, it's putting up reasonable win rates. It's open deck list, so you kind of know what your opponent's hate is. And if you can find more cards that help fix the common problems... It's really appealing. I, I you know, I kind of stand by Convoke or whatever, but I think uh, for similar reasons, like you said, I, I do think that deck is good. And I just wanted to make sure that, like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes this happens where something new comes on the scene. People need to overreact to downplaying things because people overhype them, you know, and, like, it's our job to kind of equalize. But I do want to make it kind of clear that I think Abe and I agree it is very good. And if you told me you were playing the deck at the RC, assuming the RC was tomorrow, I would be like, very reasonable. Seems like a strong deck. You know? So, I don't know. I just want to take a moment to be like, deck is good. There's a reason that... Yeah. It. Yeah, and I think part of the reason, and I, I gotta be, you know, pretty candid here. Part of the reason that I'm not, like... Of, I'm of a mindset where I'm not sure I want to play it is also because I can't... I, I'm already qualified for the Pro Tour, right? So the RC in Atlanta... Uh, coming up, I'm not, I'm not, like, me playing the deck that's going to get me the best top 32 finish or whatever is not, uh, like, on my radar as much as just playing things that I think give me a good shot of having a good tournament, um, like, might be really good, well-positioned calls for the event that um, put me in position to really spike, um, and also making sure that at a level like the PT, I'm able to play things that aren't, like, super exploitable or you know super known quantities like if the pro tour was tomorrow mason and i said you could play any of the reasonable decks or appraiser combo which do you think you'd take probably the reasonable decks <laughs> but that's how i feel too i feel like yeah. people are gonna have way better plans for the for the combo decks at like the pro tour or you know it's just gonna be something where people's decks are more hedged towards it and respect it a lot more because they don't want to be the people who aren't prepared and for that reason, I want to make sure that I'm able to be in the crowd that's going to feel best. And so playing the combo deck hasn't really been on my radar personally as much. I think that, you know, for a lot of people, it's probably a better choice than a lot of the, the reasonable decks out there um, to, to try to get in on the appraiser combo. And I, and I did want to make sure to make that clear uh, and, and candidly why I'm kind of not talking really highly about it. or haven't put a lot of time into it myself is because it's just not aligned with my goals right now. Yeah. But I do think the deck is really strong. Yeah, you're looking for your world slot, baby. Win the tournament, you know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we want that Abe at Worlds. And yeah, and you know, for me, like, uh, I, I was talking to someone earlier today. It was like, you know, if a genie appealed, appeared and was like, hey, you will get 32nd place exactly. You know, you can't do better, you can't do worse. I'd be like, deal, you know, sign me up. You know, I'm in, I'm in. And so, like, you know, getting to play the Pro Tour is like what's up for me. So, like, there's some incentive to just pick a reasonably strong deck and that's kind of like why i'm talking about it. it's like yeah convoke is really good how bad can it be maybe i'll play this appraiser deck it's really strong it can combo kill people you know like if you know i've mentioned before if i'm not really happy with anything else i might as well be the person putting through the question and i'm not afraid to run into someone who brought in a billion hate cards and be like okay you got me whatever you came over prepared or maybe adequately prepared on how good the deck is for me you win this one hey ggs good luck on the rest you know like that's gonna need to happen to me like four times or whatever before i'm dead you know and that could easily happen but also maybe they disrespect it maybe they don't have good plans maybe they overestimate their plans right maybe there's like a lot of player skill that can be done i've watched some matches with the deck where i'm like oh wow i think i would have done this because we just were dead to this and we can't lose if we play things this way we're wait one turn right and instead they jammed and they ended up winning and sometimes they get got but like it's like wow there is a lot of play to this deck still. It is not just roll your face on the keyboard. So just something to keep in mind, and I'm glad we Very played. few things in Magic are. Yeah, I, I honestly can't think of any deck that's really roll your face on the keyboard. At least not in any real format. Maybe there's some popper deck. I don't know. Vintage. <laughs> but probably not. <laughs> uh, anyways, that's going to do it for this week's check-in with Pioneer. I'll, I'll say this. I, I know Spencer tweeted last night, uh, that he really liked Phoenix. And he was saying that, you know, right, if he had to lock in a deck, it'd be Phoenix. And so, you know, that was Spencer. We didn't really talk to him and he's not here. I don't want to speak too much on his behalf. But I know that 
at least of as of 25 hours ago or whatever, he was like Phoenix thumbs up emoji. And so that might be a little something to throw in here that, you know, don't know his exact reasons on it. It's on his Twitter. You can follow him there. But regardless, that was this week's episode of Constructed Criticism. Thank you all so much for listening to that part of it. Um, we don't have any Patreon question or anything uh, this week because we actually just did a mailbag episode and we didn't get any new ones in before we started coming up here. But uh, you can get your question right on the show by going to patreon.com slash ccmtg to support the show. You get in our Discord. There's a lot of conversation, a lot of awesome things going on there. You get to ask questions on the show. You get to listen to the show early uh, when we do it live recording. So that's really exciting. So make sure you want to support the show. They will always be free, but we do appreciate it. And then another way to get uh, interaction on the show and support us is actually stuff like sharing the show with your friends and going to YouTube and, you know, sort of uh, leaving comments. We had one the other day that was uh, Pump the Brakes is a great Will, uh, Will Smith song with Snoop Dogg along with being sound advice. I think I missed that part of last week's episode. I wasn't here. I don't know what happened, but yeah, I was talking about pumping the brakes being an important thing to do. Uh, and, and at some, at some point, things my always improving mm-hmm. and, and Spencer really liked that or like pumping the brakes. And I do, I, I say pump the brakes a lot and I think people don't think about it as much as maybe they should to say we can, we can, we can slow the pace down here for a second. Just take, take a sec to think, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, great song. Will Smith, Snoop Dogg, classic. I, I learned something new. I never heard of that song before. I'll have to Spotify after this. But if you want to join the conversation, you can go to all of those places or follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Mason E. Clark. You can find me at twitch.tv slash the Mason Clark. You can find me uh, for coaching, excuse me there, on email, which is at Mason E. Clark at gmail.com. And you can find me over on Twitter, Mason E. Clark. Uh, you can DM me there to inquire about coaching. I have a few slots left between now and the RC when it comes to time being scheduled. Uh, it is getting very booked up in advance, as you might imagine. You know, the time of this recording, we're still in November. That's December 14th. So if you're curious about that, make sure to reach out sooner than later. Uh, and I think that is it. Uh, I guess I can say this officially here. Uh, I typically in the past, I'm like, oh, check out Card Kingdom for my articles or whatever. Card Kingdom is ending at 60 card support format for right now. So thank you so much for Card Kingdom for everything they kind of did for me. Uh, if you've been wondering where my stuff is gone or whatever, there should be one last article coming out this week and then it's going to be Jover. Uh, no more Card Kingdom stuff. Um, so, you know, thank you so much for the support for, I guess it was like four years that I wrote for them weekly. Uh, they really helped me a lot, and they really helped me, you know, build my platform and grow my voice. Since I know some of y'all found the show because of that, and vice versa. So thank you so much to them. But I just wanted to give a shout out to that. Like that will not be a place where my writing content goes anymore. So uh, more on that in the future. But Abe, what about you? Uh, people can find me over at uh, Twitter.com/slash/more-nothings. Um, actually, am not going to have any more availability for coaching for a bit from now through the. Um, Pro Tour, if you want to set something up for after that, or if you're someone who I've worked with before um, at all, I, I will probably be able to slot you in because we'd be kind of picking up where we left off. Uh, but otherwise, I just don't have it uh, the time to pick you up. But you'd be in good hands with Mason or Spencer um, at this time. I, I really got to plug them as being you know two people who I learn a lot from uh, and and feel like you know, very confident and comfortable putting. Uh, putting the the feeler out there saying yeah you know give give them the shot uh so that's that's it really for me twitter follow me for tweets about music and magic that's that's really all i talk about these days so as you should what else is there anime every now and again right a little blue lock a little little bit of anime for the boys yeah i always rate them 10 out of 10 because the boys rock Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Constructors, and we'll see you back next week for another episode of CC MTG.
Magic, magic, magic.